We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's IB Countdown to kick off. The gang's all here. Vince, Jesse, Sean, as we roll into SC Week. Southern Cal, Notre Dame, USC. Big rivalry game. I don't know about you guys, but like after this week that we've come out of, it's it's been like a little, even though this is, you know, like I said, it's the rivalry. It's been a little bit hard to kind of get fired up for this, it seems like. We've been dwelling on all these things from it's it hasn't even been a week ago with the debacle in Louisville. It, it so many things have happened over this past week. Some personal, some Notre right. Dame wise. Like there's no excitement for me. Like it just feels <laughs> like as you started mentioning like USC Notre Dame was like wah, wah. like mm-hmm. I I don't. This is usually my favorite week of the season. Like I I love USC week. Like that is the truest best rivalry in my opinion in college football like I love this rivalry everything about it how it started how it's continued I love this rivalry I love it I've got family that went to USC you know I I just love this rivalry so much and this year it's just kind of because of what happened at Louisville and I mean it's just kind of like I don't know now this is an awesome opportunity to kind of get that get some of that excitement back for Notre Dame football but like going into it, I don't know, man. I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, Vince, you said a lot of a lot of stuff there, um, and I felt <laughs> like that earlier in the week about this game. I was like, man, how excited can I really be? Because you know this this Louisville loss hurt on a couple levels. First, you get your second loss. There's no more playoff for Ow. me, right? Yep. So now you got to recalibrate your expectations. Yep your best case scenario. And then you have to accept those, right? Like it's not only one thing to think about them, but you have to accept them as a fan. So that took a little bit. And then when I accepted about, you know, what are some of the potential goals that still can be met this season? I was like, what better way to start that than USC week? And I got fired up all over again (laughs) in a span of like 30 minutes, right? Because I'm like you, USC week growing up was my favorite game in the entire season. And not that all the other games didn't matter, but like, man, if they could just beat USC, I would like that, that erases a lot of stuff for me personally as a fan. Right. 
And I told the story of like how my buddies and I would always find tickets. We would scout for tickets. Like it was, I would do anything possible to try to go to the USC games. Cause there was just so much excitement around it. The campus was buzzing everything. And so I'm all in on this week and I'm excited for the opportunity to kind of switch the season around and get on a good note, be at six and two with two bye weeks and four games left. And it's a very manageable four games, but it, this is, this is the turning point in the season. We either burn the ship down after this game or we feel really confident about what the goals are, you know, going forward. I was trying to remember like, so the home USC games are odd numbered years. So your first USC game, you were pretty young. It was either Oh one or Oh three. Cause I remember, remember, um, our, our friends, Eric and Aileen came in to town. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Oh one or Oh three. That would have been your first game, but it was one of those two. So yep. then you were I there. I was definitely for, there for Bush push. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's always they they're they're always memorable, and it's like this is the right time of year. The weather's turning, and oh, everything yeah, that's else. The best part, yeah, it's like it's fall football, right time of year, right time. Yeah, of year. and it, well, it's, you know, now we'll get into the the elements and all that stuff later. But like, this yeah, is fall. True. Like in the last week, this is fall, right? I mean, what mm-hmm. was it about a a week and a half ago? It was like eighty five and humid and nasty, and yeah. then about midweek, it was like. Nope, falls here. Like it was, I mean, it dropped like 30, 40 degrees and it was cold. I was wearing a winter hat at a soccer game. Like it was cold. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was you know? uh when we left for California, it was like 80s, 83, yes. 84. Yes. And then we got back this morning, we landed, it was like 57, 58. And it was like a 30 degree difference across like seven or eight days, really. Yeah, it falls here officially. There's no doubt about that. Well, when you when you think back to last week's game i mean that's of course the buzzkill on this entire season and you're right like if this season is going to be anything it starts with usc like they've pretty much got to win this game it's all it's it's every every game is is do or die essentially at this point what's the most disconcerting thing you guys saw in last week's loss to louisville well, for, that's easy for me. It was the play of the offensive line. That that was by far the most disconcerting thing because, and again, it's cliche for football, but everything starts up front, right? And they couldn't get anything going offensively. And I think a large part of that was due to the play of the offensive line. Now, some of that was self-imposed by the coaches by doing that stupid rotation that they <laughs> to do at the last second, which was well dumb. I, I don't mean to cut you off, nope, but correct me if I'm wrong, because Marcus Freeman in his Zoom today, he was asked if they're going to keep doing it this week. He mentioned that Pat Coogan was kind of banged up last week and was not able to practice throughout the week. He never said that after the game Saturday or, or earlier this week, right? Like, this is the first we've yeah. heard that, I think. Yeah. I, he I, says I, that that was like part of the reason cover that up. did that. It's a cover up. I don't like it. It's a Let cover him know, up. Vince. I mean, if he was really injured, then why did he only why did he only not play like 15 snaps? You know yeah. what I mean? Like if he was injured, then start Billy Shrouth in his spot. Like start him. Play yeah. him the whole time. Like if if he's quote unquote earned it in practice, and I believe that was also said in the press conference, then then let him start. Like bringing him in for a series at one position and then putting him in for another series at another position. And like it's just I don't know. The whole the whole thing was jacked up. So my issue with the team, the most disconcerting thing was this time last week we were talking about, you know, the the offensive line play against Duke was 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 hopefully a one-off. Like 
man, they played so well against Ohio State. We've seen them. They've get, gotten better and better each mm-hmm. week. And, okay, this is going to be a one-off, hopefully, for the offensive line. Well, now, two weeks in a row, very subpar offensive line play by all seven linemen that played. And now, like, is it a trend? Like, are Don't we forget those tight ends either. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. The, the play up front was terrible. It's terrible. So that's the most disconcerting thing for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Irish. Been stole a good amount of my ammunition, so I, I'm trying to. Uh, you got to jump I, on me, man. No, I got, I got. Uh, so to me, the most con- disconcerting thing was the offense, and it falls into two categories. One was the offensive line. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because Vince just talked about it and and made a lot of good points. But the play calling to me uh, was a big factor. Um, you know, I know Marcus Freeman wants to say execution. Um, but Marcus Freeman, he, he needs a healthy dose of being called out, I think. And this week is, is kind of how I, how I, how I looked at that. Marcus Freeman needed to be called out on some of his stuff because I'm, I'm just a little tired. Just, I love Marcus Freeman, right. Mm -hmm. But I'm just a little tired of not quite owning up to kind of blaring obvious things that are in your face. And I know it's a fine line of not throwing, you know, certain people under the bus, your offensive coordinator and stuff like that. But it's still okay to come out and say, yeah, like we we might have been this or we might have been that a little bit too much this game. And that ultimately combined to our you know downfall. It just can't be execution after execution after execution. There's got to be more to it. So that was also played into my disconcerting thing that I saw as well. There's there's too much evidence to say it was more than just execution. 
and predictability is the thing. And that's that's the most disconcerting thing for me, kind of playing into a little bit of what both you guys are saying is just far too predictable based on how they lined up offensively. Louisville, it was like Louisville knew what the play was half the time before it was ever coming. And, and a big part of it was how Notre Dame tipped things off just with the way they lined up. Jesse, do you have the uh, the information that you gave us earlier this week <laughs> on do. on just, just under stats. center versus shotgun and 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 kind of how easy basically like the the tells the tells were not hard to find based on how they lined up. Do you have it ready to go? Yeah, okay. Vince. I don't know if you've seen this, heard about this, watched nope. this. Did the you legend, come up with this on your own? The yeah, legend maybe. of the spreadsheet. He tracked every play. Wow. Under center, shotgun, Did you personnel. Work this week or what? The whole thing. <laughs> so I only I, I stopped in the second half um, right before like those last two turnovers. I thought those yeah. were you know miscellaneous, but yeah, there was like six drives, first half, six drives, um, second half, and just to give like a quick review for maybe some people who uh, didn't see it earlier in the week, I just tracked personnel. Um, and then it, the S or C next to it means shotgun or center, um, you know, run or pass play. And then I was looking at motion, pre-snap motion, how many players were in the box, and then what was the result of the play. And then I kind of found some numbers that I thought were important and kind of told a lot of the story for Notre Dame's um, lack of offensive success this past week. So, yeah, here was – here was kind of the breakdown. Notre Dame ran 55 plays that I tracked. Um, pre-snap motion was only 18%. Uh, plays under center. These And every time they went under center, it was with multiple tight ends, whether that was 12, 13, 14, um, or I think there's a two-back set one of the times. And then so then the run percentage under center was 82%, right? So the, out of the 11 plays they ran under center, they ran nine out of those. Um, the net gain on those run plays under center was basically two yards or 1.9. Um, and every time they were in under center, there was an average of 8.6 players um, in the box. And I actually felt like that number was, I was a little bit more generous. That that number could actually be maybe a little bit closer to nine, um, if we're being honest. And then I also looked at how many plays were out of shotgun. Um, and there was 75% plays in shotgun. So 44 out of the 55, 75% pass plays. Yeah. Sorry. 75% pass plays out of shotgun. Um, and only 25% run plays out of shotgun. So the so main again, thing I mean, was here, it, 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 it's not hard if you're Louisville. Okay. We're going to go under center 82% of the time. They ran the ball when Sam Hartman was under center. Okay, we're going to go shotgun. 75% of the time, they threw the ball out of shotgun. I mean, those are pretty those are pretty easy tendencies to find, Vince. And Louisville played defensively, like, again, like they knew what was coming just based on how they lined up. And yep. Well, not only that, see why. but you didn't do anything to try to like you were in shotgun and you were under center and then he didn't really do much in terms of motion game or trying to like throw different looks out there. It was coming out in one look and just running it like straight to your tendencies. There was no trying to like, you know, put a window dressing on it, anything. It was just stale, stagnant in your face. Here's what we're doing. And Louisville knew that I felt like. No, you're you're 100 accurate, and and to see the numbers like that, it it, it wow, 
Like I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say because you're hundred percent accurate with it. And it is, I mean, if, if you're telling me that something's going to happen 82% of the time, I'm selling out for that. Yeah. And that just makes sense. That just makes sense to me, you know? Okay. Well, you know, if it's 82% of the time, then 18% of the time, maybe I get burned, yeah. but maybe it doesn't work. And maybe yeah, I, I mean, if you're pressure. playing your odds, I, I'll take winning 82% yeah, yeah. of the time, especially if we're gambling. And yeah. the other part of that is, you know, even like the 18% of the time when they ran the ball, it was, it was most of the time, probably Audric estimate on the field in those cases would be my guess. And it was right up the gut, but yeah. right up the gut. Oh, and that was the last thing I looked at too, Vince was, you know, Jeremiah Love had seven instances, eight instances when he touched the ball, whether that was a run or catching like a screen out of the backfield. He's averaging 7.6 yards every time he touches the ball, yet you're so concerned about running Audric Estime up the middle under center every short yard down situation. You know, like let's just get a little bit more creative with the guy who's averaging seven and a half yards a pop. In this well, and game. look. Third and one, you're going to put Jabron Payne in there and you're going to put Sam Hartman under center. Tell me who didn't know that a run play was coming or the the, the kind of run play that was going it to was come. It was basically the exact well. same thing against that, that touchdown that he got against USD, right? Like, right. Or sorry, Ohio State. Once you showed that he was going to come in on a short down situation, it was a run. I, you know, but the other thing is when they're going under center, not only are they going under center, but, you know, not looking – in depth at at, at all that in. data that you put together yeah it's probably get either 12 or 13 personnel which means just by the just by the formation that you're putting on the field you're naturally bringing more guys into the box right. and making it harder to run between the tackles which is almost all that they decided to do in those situations it just yeah i don't know I guess we're probably past it at this point. But. Well, but what? But are we? I think that's the biggest question. Are we past it? No, because really it's question. the biggest thing that ha- it's going to determine this game against USC. Is the offense going to do enough to be multi to be more dynamic? Because you need the points to beat USC this week. And and look, USC's defense is not as good as the Louisville defense, but you can make an average defense better than average when you have tendencies like that. Well, and that's the thing because. Louisville's defense was not as good as the Duke's defense, but they played Absolutely. like world beaters last Because week. they basically did exactly what Duke did, and it ended up working out for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, USC would be stupid not to copy the game plan, right? Because, again, yeah. they're not a very talented defense. They're not very well coached, so who knows what they're going to do. But, you know, you have to take advantage of this defense, which means the play calling needs to be creative. And, and the look – the players do need to execute. They need to execute. Like the, the, the offensive line played terrible, right? There, there were times when the receivers played terrible. There were times when Sam Hartman played terrible. There is a level of execution that needs to take place. Right. But you also need to put your players in the best, you know, possible scenario to succeed. Right. Like Marcus Freeman isn't wrong. It was a cocktail of players. Like the no. offensive line miscues were execution, right? Like missing blocks. That's, absolutely. That stuff. But it's, that was like 25, 30% of the overall picture of like you said, just not calling the right plays and putting your team in the right situation. Right. Right. Agreed. The offensive line obviously needed to play better, but there were also times again, because of the way Notre Dame lined up and because of the fact that they were seeing eight, nine men on the other side, they were just simply outnumbered in the box. Like there were, you know, there were plays where guys were making blocks, but there were just too many, 
unaccounted for guys who were who were running free, you know, like on that play by Jabron Payne, trying yep. to, you know, like is just one of the examples. So that's that's probably my biggest concern is that because of USC's prolific offense, that Marcus Freeman, being that defensive-minded guy, my concern is he's going to try to keep the points down by sticking with that same game plan, trying to grind out. And it's like, we've just got to get these yards on the ground because this is who we are. Well, again, if if USC is showing eight and nine in the box, just like Louisville did and, and like Duke did, Freeman said it himself. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And unfortunately, that's what we saw so much of last week was just that, doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah expecting a different result but never seeing it come to fruition right and I and I wonder you know and this is just me thinking out loud and I and I I don't know I have so many conversations throughout the day but like I can't remember if we discussed it on the show or if it was just an impassing conversation with somebody else I don't know but the the mentality that you just mentioned about Marcus Freeman and he's been very open about that's who he wants to be right and it, it mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating but like that's not who Jared Parker was the first four games. Like that right. was clearly not the mentality of for the offensive game plan, but it feels like that mentality has shifted to that. Yep. So is it Jared Parker being the issue or is it an overall, an overarching issue with the head coach saying, look, this is how I need you to call the game. You know, you know what I mean? So like, no, absolutely. Because we had guys, when we were talking about this earlier in the week, we're not saying that Marcus Freeman is the play caller, but Marcus Correct. Freeman as the head coach has complete say during the week when they're putting together the game Correct. plan, telling Jared Parker, this is this is the kind of right. game plan that I want. So regardless of who the offensive coordinator is, the head coach still yeah. has final say. If you're only given, you know, these plays in a box to call. Yes. Right. You know, like that's your play card right there. That's what you have. Now, can you be a little bit more creative with those plays and the timing of what you call them and maybe more play action out of under center, you know, things of that nature? Yes. I'm not taking the blame off of Jared Parker. But what I am saying is if you're only given this, these X amount of plays that you're allowed to call, then, you know, there's blame to go around. How about that? So. Well, it is another night game. <sighs> it It is a fourth consecutive team that is undefeated and ranked that Notre Dame will play. It's the Notre Dame USC rivalry 94th meeting between these two Notre Dame leads the series 59, 38 and five Irish have actually won five straight at home over the Trojans going back to 2015, something that I didn't realize until I saw some of the notes this week. So Marcus Freeman was able to get Notre Dame to respond twice last year after losses to Marshall and Stanford. Do you guys believe that he can do it again now against their biggest rival here in a in a, in a big stage going into the bye week? I do believe that Marcus Freeman can do it again. And um, I, I would say, you know, after the Ohio State game, he responded in a way of it didn't look pretty, uh, but they still got a win in a tough environment on the road. And Now they're finally coming back home after two tough road games. Um, I think this offense and Sam Hartman are just a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more fluid at home. You know, I don't know what it is. Notre Dame is obviously a really good team at home. 
Um, and I just think that to me, Notre Dame's defense, you know, compared to USC's defense is enough of a gap to bridge between USC's offense and Notre Dame's offense. Um, and so I, I just think that as long as Notre Dame can stay disciplined, right. Cause like, we, we still notice some of the, the stupid penalties as well. Um, holding them back. Like, I think as long as they stay disciplined, um, that, yeah, they're going to win this game. And I feel confident about it. I am not as confident as uh, (laughs) Sir Jesse. Um, I, if, if they would have ended up squeaking out a win against Louisville or beating them in the way that I thought that they should beat them, then yes, I would have a lot more confidence. The problem is right now, if this was game five, I would have a lot of confidence that they were going to beat USC because that means they're coming off that four game stretch of 40 plus points, you know, Mm -hmm. the the whole deal, right? I would have a lot more confidence. The problem with this game for me right now is that in order to beat USC, you've got to win a shootout. You've you've got to outscore them. And and I know that's very John Madden, like, well, the team that scores more points is going to win. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get it. But you know, you need to go toe to toe with an offense that can put up a, boatload of points against good defenses now i have a lot of faith in al golden's defense i do but Caleb Williams gonna put up points we can all agree on that he's gonna score he's gonna right? score yeah doesn't matter what the elements are he's going to score the football and so notre dame needs to score the football they've scored 55 points in three games i mean that's my biggest hang-up right now do they have the ability to score a bunch of points of course they do we've seen it okay but will they but there has to be a drastic shift to what yes. they were doing earlier. And again, yes. my concern is just because of what you outlined that Marcus Freeman will go the other way on this and stick with this conservative approach to try to keep the points down as yes. much as possible. And you can't win rather that game than going all in on trying to outscore if, USC. If that's the game plan going in, you've lost before the game starts. I think that, so that, too. That's how I feel. I, I have no faith that if that's the game plan, they're going to win. I think so too. Would it salvage the season if they're able to beat USC? Um, I think it's a huge stepping stone along the way of salvaging the season, but there's still a lot of unfinished business. There's still a third of your schedule left um, and and another big road test with Clemson. And then, I mean, no game is off the, off the, off the table in my opinion, because games that we've thought Marcus Freeman should win before, you know, some of the easier ones, he lost last year. And so I think this is a huge stepping stone to the right place. But it's it's one game at a time. And I think USC springboards you to a really good position, as assuming you take care of everything else on the back end. Great point. I, I agree that it doesn't salvage the season by itself because there's still four games to go after that mm-hmm. that can really tank a lot of things, even if you beat USC, right? I mean, if you go on the road to Clemson and get your doors blown off, the USC game goes away. Right. I mean, it just does. Right. You you can't you can't do that. Right. Now, I think a win against USC going into the bye week, you know, all of those things, it can springboard you to the possibility of running the table. And if you can do that. It's still a disappointment because none of us would look preseason. Were any of us going to be happy with 10 and two? I don't think so. I just thought that was the floor. And I, I was very clear that I was going to be disappointed with 10 and two. That's the best they can do right now. You can still take a lot of positives out of 10 and two, 
because of the teams that where you, you are right now. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent because of the teams that you would have beaten. Now you'll have probably an opportunity to win a New Year's Six Bowl at that point if you're ten and two. I think that's a very real possibility. So there's a ton of positives that you can take out of this season going into next season and then have a positive postseason. Or I mean, a positive off season recruiting, all the things. And we know Marcus Freeman is really good at. So yes, as Jesse said, this is a stepping stone to a salvageable season. But it does not not in a vacuum, though. Completely agree. Just beating USC doesn't salvage the season, but beating USC makes the season salvageable in the long yes. run. Yeah, it keeps you in the running for salvageable, right? Yes, yes, yeah. that's right. Because the only way to truly salvage this season is to win the rest of the games. They've got to. They've got to finish ten and two. Got to win out. You yeah. have to. You have to win out. And it, you know they talk about every game being a one-game season to get through the college football playoff and all that. That still has to be the mentality. It is still a one-game season, one play, one life, whatever Marcus Freeman says. Like, that is still on the table at this point because, man, 10-2 and two sounds a hell of a lot different than 9-3. and three. <laughs> Well, I was, um, I was listening to the Wake Up the Echoes podcast earlier in the week, and it's, it's the one that Freeman goes to directly after his press conference on Mondays. And he was quite literally asked – you know, now that the, you know, not, not that it's talked about quite often because of, you know, Marcus Freeman's focus on each game, but he's like, you know, naturally when, when a team realizes they can't go undefeated and they can't make the, the playoff and that stuff, like, is it harder to get guys to want to play? Like, do you, did the guy still feel the sense of urgency, even if like some of those bigger goals are kind of now off the table? And I thought his response was reassuring that, you know, these guys, no matter the game or, you know, what they're potentially playing for, they're in the moment of that game at hand and they're all gamers and that, you know, they understand the circumstances of still playing USC, still playing at home, it being a crazy environment, the recruits that are all going to be there. Like, so I, I guess overall what I'm trying to get at is even though that those things are off the table, I still feel like this team is going to play like those things aren't or, or are no longer on the table, right? Like there's still sure. going to be that, like that fire and passion amongst everyone uh, on the football team to, to still win these games. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So when we look at USC, I mean, it's it's pretty much about Caleb Williams, as Jesse has pointed out earlier this week. It's not just Caleb Williams, but let's be honest, it's mostly Caleb Williams because <laughs> the guy has 22 touchdown passes, only one interception. He's number one in the country in passing efficiency as <laughs> you know the quarterback, number nine in the country in yards per completion at over 15 
yards per completion. And the biggest thing with him is the mobility, his ability to extend plays. He only ran for 35 yards last year against Notre Dame, but he extended plays with his legs, kept making throws downfield. Al Golden came out with three down linemen last year, and Austin Jones ended up running for over 150 yards against the Irish. As a result, I doubt we will see that same kind of philosophy uh, this week. Yeah, no kidding. Marcus Freeman asked this week about the pass rush on Caleb Williams. to continue to trust your pass lanes, trust your rush lanes, um, and know that the play is never over. Right? There's a lot of times when you're playing quarterbacks where if you get them to step up and you force them to a lane, um, you know, sometimes you feel like, hey, he's going to either take off and run or he's going to, you know, throw it out of bounds. But Caleb Williams finds a way to continue to extend plays. And so we have to be controlled but aggressive, right? Controlled aggression is what we talk about in our rush lanes. But understand the play is never over with Caleb Williams. You have to continuously play through the whistle. Uh, the minute you think he's running one way, you better be alert because he can turn around and run the other way. And so um, we can't play prevent defense. And I told those guys we have to be aggressive, but we have to understand the rush lanes that we're rushing in and also understand some of his escape routes. And uh, that's something that we've been working on. Been working on it. Kenny Minchie has been the main scout team quarterback this week for the Irish. Uh, Chase Ketter has done a little bit of it as well, but mostly – uh, Kenny Minchie, Notre Dame's got the number 15 scoring defense, the number four pass efficiency defense, number 12 total defense. The big question, how are they going to defend Caleb Williams in this USC offense this weekend? The, you know, I, I just want to comment on on his comment right there. Sure, and, sure. And, and the, only, the, only, the only thing that worries me a little bit about what he said is we've got to stay in our lanes and we got to do that. Like, you got to turn the defensive line loose, though. Like, I don't want the whole like gap control just kind of standing there. I mean, that's when their defense like, has been the best, the, you know, is, is when let them go, man. Yeah, let, let, let Howard Cross and, and Riley Mills just yes. go, you know? Yes. And I, you have to be careful. You still have to keep your lanes and you have to do all of that. And you can't, you know, you still have to set the edge and you, you know, all of those things, all of those cliche yet important things on defense that you have to do, <laughs> but let those guys loose, man. Don't, make them stay back and stay passive just to keep their eyes on him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that, that's the only thing that I'm tentatively worried about what he's saying there. Good point. Like, let those guys go. That's the only chance they have. In my opinion, you got to get him off platform. He's still really good off platform, but you got to get him moving and don't make him comfortable. Vince, these, this might be the smartest thing you've ever said on this podcast. Because, hey, I'm rolling. Because he, I, I know, like, I, I like can't agree with you more of the, the philosophy isn't, you know, it doesn't need to be so micro on Caleb Williams and his ability as a runner and everything else that goes around it. Because he's going to make plays. He's going to escape right. here and there. Those things are naturally going to happen. I mean, it's he's the Heisman and potentially going to win the Heisman again this year, right? Like those things happen. But what you have to focus on is finding ways just to make him get the ball out quick. Get make it, get pressure in his face yep. now. Don't worry about getting him down. Don't worry about him potentially escaping. Those are all things that happen after the play. Once the play is broken down, you need to focus on what are you doing to disrupt Caleb Williams pre-snap and then at the snap of the ball 
you know, disrupt the things that he can't control. He can set the offensive line, but he can't block for himself, right? Like, so what is Notre Dame doing up front to disguise stunts, to disguise covers that come off of those stunts? And again, just getting in his face, get a hand up, make him just get the ball out early, make him uncomfortable because if you mess up his timing, he can't do anything. No matter how great you are, if the route's not there, the route's not there. And that's what Notre Dame needs to focus on in terms of limiting Caleb Williams. Yeah, I mean, the the way to keep him from extending plays is just what you're talking about. Make him get rid of the ball much sooner than he wants to get rid of the ball. That's mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. And I think that it starts with a guy like Howard Cross right up the middle in his face. Stunt as him, much man. As possible. Yeah. They're like, look at how disruptive Howard Cross has been these last couple of games. And I think that that, that can be a key. And you know, they can do some of that other stuff like they were doing against, you know, like Riley Leonard a couple of weeks ago, you know, with, with, with some of the stunts and sliding Riley Mills out and doing some of those things. But they need to, you know, we've, we've, We'll talk about Sam Hartman and letting him cook here in a minute. They need to let that defensive line cook. And I think yes. that, that is, that's one of the biggest keys on Caleb Williams in this whole game is what those guys are, are potentially able to do. Yep, agreed. And it just worries me, though. That that sound bite, uh, it's got me on edge a little bit, I Sean. I just, oh, man, I don't know. Well, like he said, you know, we can't just play prevent, which says you can't sit there and be passive. That's true. The good does point. that also, but again, does that apply up front as well? You know, right. like where, where's the give and take? Because it just, yes. again, with this defensive minded head coach, there, there, there definitely is a more sort of conservative approach yeah. at times. Than oh you yeah. Would have thought. Especially, you know, like if you go back to, Marcus Freeman in his one year as defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, the way things started off, he wasn't just a conservative type guy. Like he nope. was aggressive and it cost Notre Dame. Yes, it from did. Time to time. Yep. But he's also learned his lessons, I guess, <laughs> as we've talked about. And so like how much do some of those moments maybe stick in his mind? It's, man, it's just, it's hard to tell. It's hard to yeah. tell. And again, like, I think we're all, it's like a little, you know, we've talked about B, BK PTSD. We're just a little PTSD, I think, these last couple games, the way they've they've played out and just some of these things that we've seen. But the other side of this for, for this matchup is Sam Hartman has been, you know, with the exception of last game, he's really, I guess, the last two. But, I mean, the last one being the worst with all the interceptions, obviously. But, right. He's been a really good quarterback himself. Number 16 pass efficiency quarterback in the nation. And he's number 17 in terms of yards per completion. So we know this is a guy who can throw the ball and who can get the ball downfield. And when you match him up against this, like when you look at the numbers of this USC defense, 109th in total defense, 89th in pass efficiency defense, 90th in rushing defense, 76th in scoring defense, and then you keep going, 112th in missed tackle rate. Like, people think that Notre Dame struggles to tackle. (laughs) Seriously. 112th, they're 85th in yards allowed per play, 76th in points allowed per possession, and 90th in red zone efficiency. Like, if Notre Dame can't get the offense going in this game, the rest of this big red flags. Be, oh my goodness. Oh, big time. Big, big time. red flags. If Notre Dame's offense struggles against USC, 
I'm telling you, this place is going to burn down. And like, rightfully so, though, right? I mean, no, yeah, 100%. Like, we, there's not going to be any excuses after this. Like, if you can't be efficient and, I mean, what, are they averaging about 20 points? Not even 20 points, like 18 points a game over the last three games, right? If you can't, if you can't put points on the board, man, and we're talking, you're going to have to probably score 35 plus. Can we yep. at least agree on that? Yeah, I so, said 34 on Thursday. So. Okay, so we're right in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. So if right you can't, there, baby. if you can't put those kind of points on the board, you have no prayer of winning this game. I and, agree, and that's not even saying anything about you know the defense because I think the defense has played well. I mean, you put you put the numbers out there, you know. Where would you want them to be strong? Pass rush, pass efficiency defense, right? And and they are strong there. But Caleb Williams is still going to score points, guys. And it's not over until the fat lady sings, as they say, until his triple zeros on the <laughs> clock. You know, whatever whatever end of the game cliche you want to use, like, as long as he's got the ball and he has a chance to score, they could put points on the board. So you need to score, man. And so they're going to have to be incredibly efficient with their drives. Incredibly efficient. Jesse brought out some good whiteboard offense stuff on Thursday's show. And one of the things that we talked about is like, he brought up a great point. Like you just gave Jordan Faison a scholarship. Like you've committed a full scholarship to him now. Mm -hmm. And really Faison and Chris Tyree are the two fastest receivers they have on the team right now, especially considering, you know, so many other guys are still dinged up by hamstrings and stuff like that. You don't know exactly what they're going to be able to give you getting those two guys on the field at the same time. Like, like I know that they're both slot receivers, but as he said, you run twins on each side, you know, you go two by two where you've got each of them in the slot. There's a lot you can do with that. Well, you know, and no, that's a really, really good point. And I also would say this, Sean, who have the most productive receivers been for Notre Dame this year, whether it's a tight end or a true slot receiver. so Again, you know what I'm doing? I, some of those slot guys, I'm teaching them how to play on the outside so I can get <laughs> multiple of those guys on the field, right? I mean, you, look, you, we've all either coached an offense or played in an offense or whatever. It, I don't think it would take that much to kind of get some of these guys a, acquainted with the outside, okay? I, I think that that's a, that's a massive coaching point for this week. How can we get Chris Tyree – maybe Jaden Greathouse, because they have the most experience. I know I'm saying true freshman and experience, but if you're talking about Jordan Faison, I mean, those two have more, right? You take those two guys who have been on the field all year, and you you work with them a little bit on the outside, and you let Jordan Faison play a little bit in the slot. Can you imagine all three of those guys on the field at the same time? Oh, I know. And see, and the reason, like, I, I, I don't think we know exactly where, you know, what, what the health of Greathouse's hamstring is. That's fair, too. Right now. So and, and you don't want to rush him back because then if he injures it again, he's going to be out for even longer. I mean, that's yeah. how a hamstring is. I mean, I just think exactly. the biggest overall point that you were getting at is if you're going to, if you're going to bring phase on, on scholarship, that's a big deal. Use them. You need to use him. Use them. And so what benefits him the best having him and Tyree in the same grouping together yep. on the field at the same time, whether one of those guys on the outside, whether they're both in the slot I think those two guys are at their best when they're on the field together because it's a pick your poison of if you want to use both of them to go, you know, kind of blow off the top and then use like Evans and Thomas underneath on some of the shorter stuff. You put a safety in a bind. You're going to you're going to commit over top. or You're going to commit down low. Someone's going to be open. There's going to be a one on one matchup with one of those speedsters. 
So I think that's the best way to get them on the field and, and truly utilize their skill set. Yeah, agreed. Completely agree. Completely agree. Hopefully we see that. <sighs> I'm just I'm just very nervous about what we're going to see uh-huh. offensively because I never would have thought we would With have seen reason. what we saw last week, which makes which makes every week a new adventure now the rest of the season, I think. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.